We are currently in a sermon series that we're calling Rules for the Road. Rules for the Road. And um, the idea of this series is that life is a journey. And just like when you take a trip in your car, we all might drive differently. We, uh, we all might travel, like some of us drive faster than others, some drive slower, some take more frequent stops, some just want to get there. Some drive Toyota Tacomas, others drive other vehicles. We all have our own way of getting around. Um, but some of us have air conditioning, some of us don't. <clears throat> Anyhow, but here's the thing. We all have this, when we take a trip in our car, our goal is we have a destination that we're trying to get to, and we want to get there and get there safely. And that is the same as true with life. That when life, this journey of life, we all have a preferred destination, Besides heaven, of course, which is by the gift and grace of God for anybody who wants. But I'm talking about just the, what we want our life to be, how we want to finish our race, what we want. To, we have a preferred destination. And we all want to get there. And we all want to get there safely. So we're, there's rules for the road. So we've been giving you a few rules for the road. And each week we've been giving you out a uh, card that has a rule um, so far. Um, and, uh, and a Bible a scripture verse. So week one, we talked about the life of Job and how Job was a man who had some major turns and sharp curves thrown into his road and he had to pivot and navigate those. And we give you a memory verse on our card that day. It's Job 23, 11, For I have stayed on God's paths. I have followed his ways and have not turned aside. And then on the other side of that card, we gave you a rule for the road in week one, and that was know how to handle the curves. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago, and those cards are still available in the back. Uh, all these cards are um, each week, and you could take them and, and keep them individually if you want to, or you can uh, put them in, in a key ring or two if you want to to have them, and maybe Debbie will remind you about that later as we get ready to leave so you won't forget to grab yours and how you can use them. But anyhow, last week we talked about how we need like a GPS system. We need God to, to guide and navigate our lives. And we gave you a verse uh, in Psalms 119.105, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. And we gave you another rule for the road, and that was whether or not you know where you are, look for direction. Well, today we're going to give you a third uh, verse to take home and a card and another rule. But I want to give you a picture before we do. And I want to ask you, looking at the screen here, does anyone recognize what's on that picture? And I know that's a very vague question. There's a lot going on. There's mountains and road. But what, what do you notice on the side of the road in this picture? What do you see there? Guardrails. Guardrails, exactly. If you're listening to this later and you can't see it, we have a picture of a road with guardrails. Guardrails are something that you'll see not everywhere on the road. In fact, it, I, my hope is that when you leave here, you'll start noticing this week where there's guardrails that you didn't notice before. But when you drive, you'll notice that there are not guardrails on every inch of the road. There just aren't. But they, are put, they do put guardrails in areas that are more dangerous. So there's a spot where danger could be there because if you go off the road there, it's, there's consequences. They put guardrails in those spots. Not everywhere, but in those places particularly. So there are three common areas to find guardrails. I want to ask you, who here could tell me of a common place on the road where they're more likely to put a guardrail? What's a spot on a road somewhere where you're more likely to find guardrails? Say again? 
a bridge, exactly. Bridges and overpasses, right? Because here's why. If you go off the road and on the side of the road elsewhere, you might just get your tires in the, in the dirt or the grass. But you go off the road in a, on a bridge, well, that's going to be consequential, isn't it? So on the bridges, they put guardrails because the, to, to go over is, well, it's a wreck. Mountains. Now, that's true, and I'm glad they do that. But i got to tell you, that reminds me of a story, because you're exactly right. They don't, I wish all mountains did. Here's, here's, Michelle and I have gone to Pikes Peak, which is one of the many 14,000-foot high peaks in Colorado. We've gone there twice. We hiked up it once, and the first time we drove up it. Now, I'm going to tell you something. They don't have guardrails going up that drive. This is true. And I'm sure the road's plenty wide, but when you're up that high and the, and, and the higher you get, it just goes down. It, is, it feels like you're on a, an edge. And there's um, people coming the other, the worst part is when you're going around bends, cars are coming the other way, and you're like, oh, Heavenly Father, please. Um, hiking the mountain was strenuous. Driving it was stressful. I, I think I'd rather hike it. Uh, but anyhow, uh, yeah, it's a good spot to have guardrails because, again, the consequences of falling off that edge are devastating. What's another spot you might find guardrails? Yes, sir. On a tur- yes, a sharp turn or a curve, right? We talked about that week one. Good answer. On a sharp curve or turn, you'll find that there are guard because if you don't pay attention, you go off, you can run into a house or a ditch or who knows what. So they have, they have guardrails there. And I'll give you one more. Someone else wants to throw one out. Um, Sometimes in medians, like sometimes you have wide grassy medians between major highways, but sometimes if it's closer and more narrow, they'll put some kind of concrete or guardrails there because, again, the consequences are more at high risk. So guardrails are placed in various areas. It's important to notice something about them. They don't put the guardrail in the danger area. They don't put the guardrail down in the ditch. Yes, sir. The middle of the road? Yeah, between major roads that go by, they do. Exactly right. But they don't put the guardrail down in the ditch, do they? It's too late then. Like you go off the edge and, oh, there's a guardrail down here. They don't put the guardrail on the side of the bridge, just like once you go over the edge, you're, oh, the guard, you pass the guardrail on the way down, right? Where do they put the guardrail? They put the guardrail in the middle of, in, in the road upon which it is perfectly safe to drive still. Like, you usually lose at least two good feet of roadway because of that guardrail. If you were to remove the guardrail, you could drive where the guardrail's at, couldn't you? But instead, it's there taking up valuable road space and restricting your lane to make it more narrow. How rude, right? But no one complains, do we? Probably none of us have ever gone over a bridge and said, I'll tell you what, that guardrail's making my lane a little more narrow. I wish I could get a little, a couple more feet of runway. I'm going to call the town and complain about this guardrail. We don't complain. We accept that they are there, and it's worth the lost space to keep us from the edge. They make sense. The theory is this. The theory is that you'll do less damage to yourself by hitting a guardrail than hitting what's on the other side. Do we understand? Right? I mean, <laughs> you go run into a guardrail, it might damage up your, it might scrape your car, it's expensive, it might damage your bumper. But you hit what's on the other side of that drop-off, well, it's a lot more, it's a, it's a wreck. And so, that's why the guardrails are there. And this relates to life. Because in life, 
As you travel down the road of life, you'll do less damage to yourself by hitting a guardrail that you've put in your life, especially at places where the consequences are higher and the damage is more severe. You'll do less damage to yourself by hitting a guardrail than hitting what's on the other side. Here's what I know from what I do for the last several, couple plus decades of life. Your greatest regret, most likely, if we were to call you on stage and give you a microphone or online and let you talk to the crowd and say, tell us your greatest regret in life. Some of us would just run for the door before that would happen, right? Others would be like, oh, let me overshare. That's great. I'll tell you, tell you my story. But if we were to share our greatest regret, most of us would, 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 would say in the end as we talked about it, that it probably could have been avoided if we would have had some guardrails in that part of our life. You see, in the broader world, in, in culture in general, and I don't mean, I don't, forget just Christians or religious people of different religions. You could, be a, you could be agnostic or atheist. I'm talking about everybody. In the world and culture in general, everyone agrees that there are many things that are bad. There are many outcomes that are bad. There are many things that everyone agrees. You don't want to crash over that edge of that. No matter what your belief system is, everyone's like, yeah, that's an edge you don't want to crow over, right? The problem is, is that generally in culture, there aren't very many good protections to keep us from going over the edge. There's no guardrails. But they just say, but don't go over the edge. And so they have a lot of little statements that are, they're not guardrails. For example, here's one, drink responsibly. You'll see that all the time on there, drink responsibly. Here's the thing about that. That's usually someone trying to not get sued by telling you to buy their product, but then you get in trouble. That's not a guardrail. Here, here's the thing about that. That is like a yellow line dotting the edge saying, don't go over the edge. That's all that is. Because here's the thing, by the time you drink irresponsibly, you probably don't care, right? Or here's one, don't have sex until you're ready. I always wonder how that conversation goes. Hey, are you ready? <laughs> Me? I was born ready. Okay, then, you know. I mean, how does that go? Um, by the way, there's a reason why they call the morning after pill, don't get mad at me here, there's a reason why they call the morning after pill plan B. Because it wasn't plan A, was it, right? I mean, let's just be honest for a minute here. Um, because it's like, okay, well, that happened. It's not a guardrail. Now, um, consolidate your debts. Once you've made a whole bunch of bad financial decisions, consolidate them. Talk to your kids about drugs. Wonderful, great advice, not a guardrail. That's basically saying, hey, don't go over the edge. The thing is, is that the broader, again, everyone in the world, regardless of their beliefs or lack of them, believes there are dangerous places that you don't want to go over. But most, many people in culture don't appreciate the value of a guardrail in those dangerous areas. I'm telling you, and I've been around this long enough to know that there are people who will both say, don't go over that edge, that's terrible, but also, why do you have those guardrails in your life? That's lame and that's dumb. And, and, and my point today is this. Guardrails are a good idea. Some people think that the problem is religion or faith. They'll say people of faith have these weird ideas that you can't do certain things. There's nothing wrong with doing that. But maybe it's just a guardrail. But again, we'll agree that going over the edge is bad. And I want to say this because we have a lot of young people in the room. room I want to say this because when you're young and you're growing, this is so important to hear some people will come alongside of you and say, come on, and they'll kind of put down the guardrails that you have in your life or that your people who love you put in your life. 
They'll put on your, they'll say your parents are just lame and your, you know, a pastor just doesn't know what he's talking about and faith is silly and those people who say they care about you are just controlling. They'll make fun of the guardrails in your life. And they'll say, I get you, I'm your friend. But here's what I've learned in doing this for 24 years of pastoring and many years before that of ministry. Is that when you go over the edge, the people who encouraged you, that they got you and understood you to tear down a guardrail are usually the ones who will abandon you in those spots or, or shake their heads or say, can you believe that person or just whatever. It's the people that you, you were taught to, to disregard, those parents, those people who cared about you, who will be there with compassion to try and say, let's figure out how to get fixed up from here. So don't let someone convince you that they care about you if they don't or someone doesn't care about you when they do because guardrails are a, a form of love and care. We all need them. I need them. I'm 48 years old. They're just helpful. Everyone who doesn't even appreciate the importance of guardrails and diminishes them agrees that there's still tragedy on the other side of the edge. So what I want to encourage you to do today is to set some personal guardrails that will inform your conscience. And here's the key. I'm even going to get practical for a while today, which will be meddling. But my point is this. You got to figure out what that looks like for you. Personal guardrails that inform your conscience. That might not be someone else's guardrails. Someone else might say, well, that doesn't bother me. That doesn't bother me. But you're like, I know, but it does bother me. And that's okay. It's okay. We're not trying to be like everybody else anyhow, are we? The rule says that, but then we turn around and, and, and do it. Let's just, we're, it's okay to be different and say, I shouldn't do that. I need that guardrail. So set some guardrails for yourself. Because your heavenly father, he cares about you. Here's the thing. Good parents have rules to keep you safe. That's what they do. They have rules, and their rules are to keep you safe. You might not agree with them. I might not agree with them. But they're there to keep you safe. And, and here's the thing. God is a good father. As a parent raising kids, here's what I've learned. I would rather have conflict on this side of a guardrail than the conflict that comes on the other side. I'd rather have the conflict of this side of saying, I'm saying, oh, but my friends all get to do that. Yeah, but why can't I? Yeah, but I don't understand. I'd rather have that conflict and those scrapes and those bumps anytime than the conflict that says, okay, fine, just take them off because I don't know. And then the conflict that comes from the crash that oftentimes happens. Just guardrails. It's a smaller wreck that way. And this teaching I'm talking about right now, it's all over the Bible, it's all over the scriptures. That God is not, whenever you read the scriptures and you see God saying, hey, don't do this or watch out for that, don't hear God being that rotten, angry old, get off my lawn person, you know, I don't have any fun. That's not what he's doing. He's saying, look, I love you. I just don't want you to wreck because a wreck is really difficult. It's costly. It's fatal. It's, it could kill you, take your life. It could take the, a relationship. It could take a, a, an opportunity from you. It could, just, it could bring death. It's just, I love you. So if you hear the voice of God giving us warnings or cautions or guardrails, from that lens, it's not as restrictive as the voice and tone we picture sometimes wrongly. God just loves you. He's a good father. So Paul the Apostle talks about this in his letter to the Ephesians. We're going to spend some time in Ephesians chapter 5 today. The city of Ephesus was an amoral, godless, wicked culture. And they had a lot of problems. And so Paul's writing to them. And in the verses that precede the verses that we're going to look at, if you were to read the verses before the ones we're going to read today in church, 
you'll see that Paul was warning them about wrecking themselves. He was saying, listen, this is, there's a lot of things out there. You can just wreck your life. And he's just warning them. And then he pivots to make the point that we're trying to make today in, in this sermon. And then he gives an illustration that's downright, it's going to be a little uncomfortable because it's kind of like meddling. Because here's the thing. Sometimes when we're talking about this kind of stuff, we don't mind the philosophical. Like we agree with the philosophy of guardrails and the whole point. But we're not sure we want to get into the practical side because that's, but Paul's going to get into a practical example. And we're going to, we're going to step in there and poke the, that bear a little bit together. Just because we want to, to make it clear there's an illustration of not what you have to do, but we ought to have guardrails. Right? So, Paul talks about warning about wrecking your life. And then he says in verse 15, Ephesians 5, 15, he says, so be careful how you live. Be careful how you drive. Be careful how you drive on the road of life. Be careful. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Notice that word wise, we put it in bold there on purpose. Because that is the key word. Because a lot of times we run around asking ourselves about, is something wrong? Is it wrong? Is it wrong? And I think sometimes we, don't, we ought to ask ourselves about, not about the wrongness, but the wiseness of something, the wisdom of something. Live not like th- fools, but like those who are, who are wise. And we're going to come back to that idea over and over again all the, throughout the time. Um, something we taught about a couple of years ago in church, we taught you to ask a question all the time. What is the wise thing to do? What is the wise thing to do? Not what is the right thing or the wrong thing. What's the wise thing to do? So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Verse 16, making the most, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Now we can go down a whole long explanation there, but for the sake of today's conversation, Paul is saying you only have one life. And especially in these crazy times we're living in where anything can happen, it's important to understand you have one life. Take care of how you treat it and how you live it. Verse 17, he says, don't act thoughtlessly. Remember, be wise. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Understand that, that, that there's, there's people who care enough about you to say, look, I'm not trying to ruin your life or control you or make sure you know your place. I just want to keep you from wrecking So understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't act thoughtlessly. Be wise. Be smart. Quit walking on the edge of disaster. So many times people walk on the edge of disaster all the time. And they say, well, is that wrong? You can walk on the side of the the bridge. You can cross over the guardrail on the bridge and say, this is perfectly good road right here. Nothing wrong with this. That's true. But it takes one slip. You know our state and national parks, every year across America people will die um, falling off the edges of mountains in Colorado or the Grand Canyon. or It just happens all the time. I, I, I follow that kind of world, so I see some stories. People trying to get a selfie on the edge or hang close to the edge or watch in a gust of wind or they slip. It happens. And, and it, we can, I can walk, I can get on the other side of a, of a guardrail and say, I'm perfectly, I have every right to be here. Nothing wrong with being here. But one slip and it's, it's tragic. So the guardrail is simply put there to say, hey, if I slip from over here, I might skin my knees. I might bruise my hip on the guardrail. But I'm not going to have a, 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 a bad spot because we all slip. We all stumble. So be wise about where you drive, 
be wise about how you treat the real estate between you and danger. And then Paul gives us an example, and he's going to step into a space that's going to be poking uh, you know, a little bit into our practical lives. Verse 18, he says this, Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Now, this is interesting. I was, I was raised, just as a full disclosure, because I'm going to have a conversation here. Full disclosure, just so you understand where I'm coming from, not for you, but for me, I'm going to talk about some of my guardrails, and I'm not telling you today at all what yours have to be. I'm just telling you, just so you know where I'm coming from, to be honest. I don't drink at all. And Michelle and I don't drink at all. We never have. Um, part of that's because we were raised in a church culture where we were taught that, you know, you know, it was wrong, as in, you know, wrong being sinful to drink. That's how we, were, that's how we grew up. That's just how we were, were raised. And we were years later before we came out of some of that, that angle of life and philosophy. But, but the, the wrestling point there was it was just wrong. Now, the Bible does teach us that it's wrong to be drunk. And it talks about why in many places, all the bad things that happen when we're drunk and what it does to us. So it'd be wrong to be drunk. But, but our church culture said that because of that, it's wrong to drink. Now, m- my opinion later is that they were talking about a guardrail, but they were making that sound like the guardrail was the edge. The edge was drinking, when I think that drunkenness was the edge, so to speak. But the Bible talks about that being wrong. And so I grew up in a, in a place where we had friends who would say, young people, old people, is it wrong to drink? Oh, it's wrong to drink. Is it wrong? It's wrong to drink. And we grew up with that. So we just followed, the, we just, we just followed what we were taught. We were just those good kids. We tried to be anyhow. We weren't good about everything, but we tried to you know, follow the, a lot of things. And um, so we just didn't drink. So by the time we're kind of coming out of that background, we're in our upper 30s. And Michelle and I looked at each other one day, and we have lots of friends in, in this church, and many of you, did, you know, uh, uh, you know, you, know, you drink casually. Michelle and I came to a spot in our life where, and we have friends, pastor friends. We just, we, we didn't yet. And so we looked at each other and said, you know what? Let's not start now. We made a decision that said, we're just not going to do it still. We've made it this far in life. Why would we change course now? Because I don't need that. He said, well, why? And, and this, is, this is the point of today's sermon. Because for us, it became simply a guardrail. Because, because I know me, I could have an addictive personality. I don't, know, I don't know how I would handle it, but I know one thing. I won't be drunk if I don't drink. That's for me. Now, that's not, that's not, I'm not teaching. I'm, I'm helping you. Here's what I've learned. And I gotta, I'm, I'm backing this off a little bit. Because coming out of a strong religious culture on this issue, you think that they were the mean ones. They're the ones you can't drink, you wicked person. But as we came away from that hardcore view, but we chose not to drink ourselves because it became a guardrail for us, we have learned there are many people who do drink who give us a hard time for not drinking. It's true. We've had social circles, employment circles, where a boss would sit down with uh, employees and belittle Michelle or, or me in a different setting uh, because we're not drinking. What's wrong with you? It's like, can you just, can I, can I, may I please have my own no, what's wrong with you? And I mean, I've been, I've been, I have friends, I'm a minimal, I'm, a, I'm an aspiring minimalist because I'm not there yet. In, a, in my minimalist community, there's a lot of minimalists who don't drink, not because they're religious at all, but because they're just, you know, it's, it's money they'll spend, it's a lot of money and um, clarity of mind and they like to hike and they're healthy people, whatever, so they don't drink. And a lot of them will say that they have friends who give them a hard time because they won't. They give them a hard time about it. And they're like, can I just... 
can you respect my boundaries, you know? But they people give them a hard time. And I think people give them a hard time because they're afraid that that person's judging them. We think you're better than us. You're judging us. That's probably why they do it. But that's not an excuse. That's a reason, but it's not an excuse. So I know that when I say this, I'm kind of meddling into some territory where you either think I should take a hard line stand against it or you think I should, be, I should quit being a fuddy-duddy myself. Let me just explain the idea of guardrails in the illustration that Paul gave. The reason we don't, the reason I don't, is because when Michelle and I came to the spot where we said, hey, we can, we can drink. We ask ourselves, we're in our upper 30s, and I looked at her and we talked about it, and here's what we decided. We decided we're not gonna ask ourselves the question, is it wrong? And please don't miss what I'm saying now. We decided for us that we were not gonna ask ourselves, is it wrong? We wanted to ask ourselves a better question, and our question was, is it wise? And for us, we decided, because of what I do for a living, decades now of working with people, 24 years nearly of pastoring and about three decades of ministry work, we've, we've, we've learned something along the path of what I do in life. And that is this. My interactions with kids and alcohol or kids who grew up in homes with a lot of alcohol, just, they've all been bad. I don't, here's just me being honest with you. I don't have any stories that end with, and then we added alcohol, and everything got better. None of my stories go that way. And then we added alcohol, and we lived happily ever after. None of my stories, maybe that's your story, but I doubt it. But I, maybe, it's, maybe it's neutral for you. But I have a lot of stories in what I do where people said, and then we brought alcohol in, and things went bad. And because of that, we decided for us that a guardrail for us would be if we don't want to, to take on the things that happen in a state of drunkenness, then we're just going to choose for ourselves to have a guardrail that we don't drink. And that is not, now if you think that's lame, I get it. You're probably right. We're probably lame. And I can tell you right now, if you say, I'm in the wrong church, I understand that too. I can give you four or five pastor friends in the local area who, will, who, will, who always want to get together with me and they have craft beer and I'm just the boring one with the Coke Zero. So I could point you to a better direction because I'm lame. But, but I'm not telling you what you need to do. I'm not. I'm just saying, I'm trying to teach the principle that we have a guardrail and whatever you are in life, you ought to have guardrails of your own. And for us, that's a guardrail. Paul says, don't be drunk with wine. Um, the, the phrase, it will ruin your life. Um, some translations use the word excess or excessiveness. And it's not referring to excessive drinking because when you're drunk, you've already had excessive drinking. It's referring to excessive behavior that comes after we do excessive drinking. Like how many people, after they got drunk, then they said, what did I just do? And so... In other words, ex excess is the word that means extreme indulgence that leads to a loss of control or going too far. And if I can say it this way, guardrails are deciding how far you'll go instead of hoping you won't go too far. And again, I'm not telling you what your guardrails should be. Don't mishear me. I'm trying to give an illustration of guardrails that we have because guardrails for me in my life, for you in your life, whatever that looks like, guardrails are deciding how far you'll go instead of hoping you won't go too far. But, but be, be honest with yourself. Don't put a dotted yellow line on the edge of the cliff and say, that's a guardrail. It's not. So whatever yours are, wherever you place them, whatever they look like, just have some. They may be different than mine, but have some. Because you, you want to decide how far you'll go, not hope that in a bad moment you don't go too far. So 
Paul goes on to say this, verse 18 again, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, he said, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit wants to be the one guiding you. Um, instead of being intoxicated or under the influence of drugs or alcohol, to be under the influence of God's Spirit, that he wants to be the one intoxicating and guiding you and leading you, that you're listening to him and his still small voice. And I find that listening to the Spirit of God is so much better. Now, this is an illustration that Paul was using to illustrate guardrails in the verses that we read. He uses the illustration, and he uses this one on the screen. But this applies to many other areas, too. In so many areas of your life, you ought to have guardrails, because here's the thing. Most people don't plan to mess up their lives. Now, when you're young, you think you're holding in front of you. I know. I, I say this all the time. I'm not trying to be like everybody else. There's a lot of heartache in the world. I'd like to avoid as much of it as possible. Not because I'm better, but because, I don't, because I'm weak, because I, I'm, I'm vulnerable, because I'm, I'm, I'm a human being. I want to be careful because I see the, the heartache that comes in the world. And here's the thing. Most people don't plan to mess up their lives. They don't plan to mess up their marriages. They don't plan to mess up their relationships. They just don't plan not to. Does that make sense? They don't plan to do it. They just don't plan not to do it. So... Guardrails, if you want to follow the sermon today, guardrails are how you plan not to wreck it. And don't, please, whatever you think about me today, uh, and what I'm going to say next because it's going to get more meddling. Um, whatever you think, don't insult yourself. Don't insult yourself by saying, well, God will protect me. Yes, and this is how he protects you. By saying, put guardrails in the dangerous spots. That's, that's how he protects you. I can put my knife in a light socket too and say, God will protect me. You know, I mean, at some point you sit there and say, this is how he protects us. He puts, things in, he puts safety things in place. So again, let me make this clear in case I haven't already. I probably have. These are personal guardrails. I'm not telling you that yours should look like mine or mine should look like yours. Don't hear me say that or you're going to miss my point. I'm saying you should have guardrails. Your guardrails might be different than other people's in your circle. And people in your life may not understand why you can't do something that they think is perfectly fine. People in your life might look at you and say, I don't understand why you can't. And here's what I want to say to you, especially as a Jesus follower, especially as a Jesus follower, don't ever be arrogant about your guardrails. Don't ever be arrogant about your guardrails. Because that's not the point. What you, what you do is you say, listen, I'm not saying you shouldn't, genuinely. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying I shouldn't. There's things in my life that I say, I don't know if I trust myself. I don't know if, I'm, if that's wise for me or if I'm strong enough. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm saying I shouldn't. Just have a humility but have guardrails. You can do both. You can do both. It's not an either-or proposition. So have some. Does it make sense today? Guardrails. Now, here's the thing. And this is why I'm preaching it today. Because no one has ever regretted establishing a guardrail. And I've been doing this a long time. No one has ever regretted establishing one. But there are many, many people who have wished that they had later In the spots in my life that I have the biggest regrets, I wish I had. In the spots in my life where I've established guardrails, I don't ever look back and say, what a lame life. I'm thankful. 
And that brings me to a couple other areas. Since I've already meddled, I'm going to meddle some more. A couple other areas that have guardrails in the scriptures. I'll point a couple of them out to you. One of them is, is when it comes to our sexuality. Uh, Paul says this, run from sexual sin. All of us agree there's a spot where we don't want to get to where we're like, whoops! You know? And Paul says if you don't want to fall into a place that is where you shouldn't be in, in, in your behaviors and your promiscuity, in, 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 your, in, in, your, in sexual sins of any kind, in sleeping around, whatever it may be, you know, giving up that party. If you don't want to go here, then he says, run from it. Don't dang, hang around the edge. If, if Paul was speaking in, in today's culture with cars, he might say, put a guardrail between you and sexual sin. Because they help you. Now, there's a lot of ways you can do that right there. I can make some jokes right here, but I won't because we're in church. Uh, there's a lot of ways you could do that. Um, but but now, now, we were raised really strict. Michelle and I were raised really strict. So we were raised in a culture where they said, because you don't want to fall into sexual sin, like they taught us, you know, to save yourself for your spouse one day and don't be asleep around. And their answer was to say, in order to do that, you shouldn't kiss before you get married, you shouldn't hug before you get married, you shouldn't hold hands before you get married. I know, crazy, right? That's, just, that's the kind of culture we grew up in. So we dealt with that. And to be honest with you, probably neither one of us kept all those rules. Um, um, we probably both had, you know, dates before where we kissed and stuff. Parents said no, broke the guardrail, stood over the guardrail. But then we kind of got our hearts right with God. And we realized something when we started to date each other. We were out of high school. We both wanted to go to Bible college and train to serve the Lord. And we began to date. And we made a decision. Both of us, at that point in our lives, we had never slept with anyone else. We were both virgins. I know it's a funny thing to make fun of today. We were virgins. We had never been with anyone else. And we made a decision that said, I want to keep it that way. And I don't know if we're going to last. But if we don't last, I don't want to have slept with another man's wife. And I want to save myself for my wife someday. So, and if we do last, I want it to wait till we make our commitment. So we're going to keep ourselves from that until we're married. So we made a guardrail for ourselves when we were dating. And I know this is going to be crazy to some of us. I know, but this is what we did. We were 17, 18 years of age. We said, let's decide that we're not going to kiss each other until we say our vows on our wedding day. Now, again, we were in a culture where it said, well, yeah, that's good, but you also can't hold hands or touch. And we're like, okay, we'll try. <laughs> um, but we had our own guardrail. We didn't succeed at that. <laughs> but we had our own guardrail. We won't kiss until, and it was hard. We almost didn't make it a few times. But we made it. And we got to our wedding altar that day. We got to the wedding day. We made our vows, and I raised her veil, and I kissed her for the first time after we made our commitments. You say, well, that's so unnecessary. It's so lame. I know. I agree. Probably we, I'm, we're weird. And I'm, I mean, I get that. But here's what I'm saying. But we were able to go, and here's the thing. I've never known anyone but her. Before we were married, we never knew anybody at all, and now we've been together only exclusively to each other. 28 years of marriage a couple weeks ago. Now, was, were those rules necessary? Were they, were they, was, was that a matter of right and wrong? No. Those are guardrails. And as weird as they are, and I get it, they're kind of cringe to talk about it, right? It's kind of cringe. I understand. But here's the thing. I've learned something about, about, about this whole thing from doing it a long time. Exclusivity, listen, exclusivity fuels intimacy. And I have never one moment of my life regretted those silly old cringy guardrails. 
I have never, we don't spend one minute of our lives looking back and saying, how dumb was that? I'm very thankful that I can say that we, we can say we've been in this committed relationship. And I know it's not everyone's story. But it's a guardrail. Now, if you're like, okay, fine, let's, but that's not where I'm going to be. I understand. But can I offer you a universal guardrail when it comes to sexual behavior? A universal guardrail, regardless of whether you're going to, you know, whatever else. A universal guardrail that all of us can follow is simply this. Be private in public. Be private in public. When you're dating, you young people start dating. Be private in public. In other words, you want to be private because you don't want, when you start dating and get serious, you don't want your parents sitting over your shoulder saying, yes, tell me more. I'm listening to everything. <laughs> you don't even want your friends over there listening to all your stuff. You want to be private. Even when you're an adult, if you're trying to, if you're trying to be somebody who, who preserves yourself or someone you give yourself to in marriage, even as an adult, you don't want your friends. You want to be private sometimes from your friends and family. But here's the thing. If, you, if to do that, you go behind the bedroom door and close the bedroom door and get in the bed together, you're probably going to end up getting some, <laughs> you're going to go over some edges there at some point, right? If, you, if you're just alone in the car in the back of the desert road, those are fun, but you probably shouldn't do it. So here's the thing. Be private in public. So I, I tell young people all the time, I told my, told my kids this, and, 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 and I tell all of you, if you're going to date, go meet each other at a restaurant, and you're private because you're people you, there's strangers around you. Go meet at the ball game. Go places like that, you know, where people are around you, but they're not people you know, so they're strangers, so you're private. You're able to talk freely, but you're in public. You're not probably not going to roll around on the floors of the restaurant, right? You know what I'm saying? Probably you're going to be in a spot where you're going to be okay. So be private in public. It's a simple rule. Now you say, well, I think that's silly too. Here's the question. What are your guardrails? Because again, everyone in the culture will shake their head at those people who don't have, who go over the edge and like, that, look at that person lives, look at that person did, look at that person's consequences. But some people will do that and at the same time say, look at that idiot's guardrails. And I'm just encouraging you, it's wise to have them, so figure out what they should be and have some guardrails. Another one is being selective about your close friendships because your close friendships impact your life. When I say close friendships, I don't mean Look, you should be friendly to everyone. We agree on that. You should be a friend and you should help anyone in need. But when it comes to your close friendships, those are the ones that influence your thoughts, your view, worldviews, your behavior, who talk you into things, you let your guards down, they bring the best or worst out of you. I can tell you so many stories in my own life and other people's lives where friendships can go one way and the same person, depending on which friend they're with, Right? So when it comes to your close friends, just be selective. Here's a Bible verse, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. says, walk with the wise, become wise. Associate with fools and get into trouble. If we're going to use our car illustration, can I say this to you? If you're, dry, if you're riding in the car with a friend who's driving recklessly with no guardrails and they go over the edge, guess where you're going to? I can tell you how many people through the years of, of my job, I've talked to people who said, I, that's not who I am, Arlen. That's not who I am. I didn't mean for that to happen. I wouldn't do that, but I was just with some people and they just kind of pulled me in or I was just around them and I don't know how that happened. It wasn't me. I know. Because when we are in close, close relationship with people who don't have guardrails, what's going to happen to us? We're going to probably end up over the edge too. So a guardrail is be careful where your close friendships lie. 
Now, we can go on and on. I don't have time. Another one that we're not going to discuss today, but I'll just quickly mention, is if the scriptures are clear that greed, living a greedy life is a horrible place. God's very condemning of a greedy life. Greed is a cliff we don't want to go over, but you've got to have a guardrail. One of the guardrails is generosity. You learn to be generous, and we build it into our lives intentionally so that we guard us against being a greedy person. We can go on and on all day long about guardrails. Here's the point. We all ought to have them. Guardrails are deciding how far you'll go instead of hoping you won't go too far. No one has ever regretted establishing one, but there are many who wish they had. And so my hope today is that you'll hear what Paul had to say, and you'll hear the scriptures, you'll see the heart of God throughout, the heart of a father who loves you, who says, I'm not trying to control you, I'm not yelling for you to get off my lawn or tell you to behave. I'm trying to save you from wrecks that you'll one day call your biggest regrets of life that can be avoided sometimes if we just had some guardrails and give up some perfectly good real estate that we could drive or walk on, but we're going to put a guardrail there anyhow and give up that space. There's nothing wrong with that space. We're going to give it up because we know that we all slip sometimes and guardrails are important. Guardrails are important in the dangerous areas. There are some parts of the road where there's no guardrails. There's parts of your life, guardrails don't seem important. But in those areas of life where the consequences are high, have guardrails there. So we gave you a scripture verse. And it was, uh, it was um, the verse from Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15. It says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Don't always spend your life asking, is it wrong? Maybe we can ask ourselves, is it wise? Or as we said before, what is the wise thing to do? Is it wise is a much better question to guide your life than is it wrong. Is it wise is a question that helps you set up guardrails. Is it wrong is a question that just keeps you off the edge of the cliff. Is it wise? Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. And we give you a couple rules each week. Today's rule is not as elaborate or fancy as the last couple, but it's to the point, and that is this. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Okay? Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Rule number three. Now, all of us would be well served to just take this home and figure out what this looks like for you. And with humility towards those around you, but without compromise for your own integrity, just live with guardrails. And you won't regret it. You never, I don't look back at anything I've talked about today. I look back at my regrets and say, I wish I'd have been more careful. But any place where I've put a guardrail, I don't look back on it and say, man, I was stupid. What a dumb thing. I mean, maybe they were unnecessary. Maybe I make fun of them a little bit. But I sure don't regret where it's taken us. When I've had them and when I've followed them. Right? Didn't I say that earlier? Probably our biggest regrets in our lives and our past could have been avoided with guardrails. So have some. Be wise. And let's believe that our Heavenly Father speaks to us from love when he says, be careful.